Um, I'd like to welcome you back to the Q&A with Dr. J, and I'm your personal relationship expert. Remember, I'm here to help you with those questions and issues with everything you want to know about relationships, but we're afraid to ask. Well, welcome back again, and um, as usual, I always appreciate you having me into your internet radio land um, fantasy living room. Um, And again, um, I appreciate your letters and our emails at coming to me at Dr. J at the mic 44.com. And uh, last week we talked um, a little bit about uh, continuing on with relationships in terms of intimacy, a little Q&A. And I try to mix it all in. I try to take some of your questions and answer those at the same time. I try to give you tips about how to build and establish or maintain a healthy, positive relationship with your significant others. And um, I'm just going to, I had a lot of info, well, not a lot, but I got about three or four questions emailed in about intimacy and relationships. I tried to talk about that in our last episode. And uh, the last three, it was talking about intimacy, but it was talking about intimacy as it related to sexual intimacy. And in particular, had a question about Um, romance, adding romance back into um, intimate relationships. And um, I'd like to talk about that a little bit because we've talked about how to build relationships, but, and we also talked a little bit about how to be romantic. Um, But really, we didn't talk in detail about some of the tools and skills that will help you maintain and build healthy relationships. So, One of the things I want to say is that I think a lot of um, intimacy uh, as it affects relationships or the lack of intimacy has a lot to do with the fact that we, as individuals, um, we get involved in so many other aspects of our lives Um, and that when we come home uh, and or when we're dating, we tend to just like dump all of our stress and all of our day or week's activities into the relationship. Uh, oh, let me tell you all the things that happened to me at work, babe. Or, hey, did you know this happened to my brother or my son or my daughter? And, you know, and we forget to take that time to do what I call a clearing, um, almost like a feng shui, only it's kind of like a meditation. You clear your mind out and you go into meditation just by yourself, and it only takes three or four minutes, and just kind of release all the toxic activities of the day or week, whether it's in your personal life with your family members or at your work world, and make your transition back into yourself, into being quiet, and see yourself, visualize yourself stress-free. In that stress-free moment, then think of your significant other, whether that's a lover a close friend, a spouse, a fiancé, and then prepare yourself for how you're going to interact with them. Don't just walk into the relationship uh, uh, talking about all the negativity. This will allow you to de-stress and show up and show out in a much more approachable way. And then you can actually, uh, after whatever activity you have had, Uh, whether you haven't seen each other in a week or a day or a month or whatever the timetable is for your interaction, you can actually say, well, hey, what's been going on with you? 
Um, and, and then, believe it or not, part of being romantic is being an active listener, being able to really clear yourself of any uh, of your own drama, trauma, and activity of your mind, and being able to be there for your partner and listen. And then after they're finished, if they don't say, well, yeah, how's, how's your life been going? Then say, well, you know, you know, after you say whatever you say to close that part of the conversation, just say, you know, this is what's been going on with me today or this week or this past month. And uh, I wanted to share it with you. Do you mind me sharing? And so you always, instead of dumping on someone, you actually give them an invitation or ask their permission for you to actually share. Um, and then you start sharing some of your activities, but you don't do it when you're all stressed out. You do it after you've calmed down and you can actually verbally share. The other thing, um, is to really take, if you want to be romantic, you got to really take care of yourself. You know, I also recommend, it may sound strange that part of being romantic is that you actually exercise. I don't care if you go for a 30-minute brisk walk or you work do a workout tape, a television uh, program, or you have a tape that you put in, an exercise tape, or you go to the gym. A lot of people go to the gym. But believe it or not, working out actually de-stresses your body and it prepares you to come back into a relationship uh, in a very positive manner. Dancing is another great activity. You know, you might want to call your spouse or lover or friend and go out dancing. If they don't want to, go out dancing with some girlfriends or take a dance class. And even guys, you can take a dance class. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of professional athletes, uh, to get um, their agility going, actually take ballet. So there's nothing um, feminine about taking dance. Additionally, if you're not a good dancer, go take a dance class at some of these dance places. Have you been watching Dancing with the Stars? That's a really good way to put romance into your life. Learn new dances, you know, so that when you and your partner go out, you can actually say, hey, let's go to dinner and let's dance. Um, walking is another great de- de-stressor and a way to invite your, um, your significant other to actually take a walk with you. You know, you can walk at a lake. You can walk at a local park, or you can just walk walk around the neighborhood. Uh, something else that's romantic is uh, walking at the beach. You know, it's, it's stress-free. You listen to the water. If you take a night uh, walk, you can look at the moonlight. So you're adding romance at the same time. You're adding activity. You're de-stressing, and you're building a bridge into the relationship. I hope that really helps you. Uh, with your understanding of being romantic is not always about um, just kissing and, you know, and having sex and all oh, that's important. But sometimes being romantic is uh, all the other things that we don't think about, the 80% of the things that we do. Additionally, uh, you know, I want you to stop and take a self-evaluation of yourself and say, you know, I need to look at myself And see how I show up to my partner. Not just stress-free, but do I show up kind of emotionally greedy? I call that emotionally greedy and emotionally needy. It's when you always have the problems. You always need the emotional support. You always need them to do something for you or to be there emotionally for you. Or that you only call like, oh, when you're in crisis. Remember, 
your partner is there for you, but you have to also show up not emotionally needy. And there's nothing wrong with having an occasional crisis and needing your partner to be there for you. But you need to learn how to take responsibility for handling your own stress, your own crises, and trying to figure out some solutions so that then when you show up to your partner, you can actually say, you know what, I have this crisis, and this is, what I, this is how I handled it. Not only will it not put so much pressure on the other person to take care of you, it'll also build your self-esteem and strength because you will be surprised how when you can learn to develop important um, problem-solving skills that it's very empowering for your ego strengths, it's very empowering for your self-esteem and for your self-identity. And then you get to show up and be romantic as opposed to being a drama king or a drama queen. Anyway, um, stay in touch with your thoughts, your thought patterns. Sometimes, you know, we just let our mind get flooded with all the things that we need to do and we just get overwhelmed and exasperated and then we show up irritated. That's not very romantic. One uh, tool that I think is really awesome to use uh, to kind of deprogram your mind is to sit down and make a list. Um, List everything that's on your mind that is stressful or worrying you, and then start going through them and looking at how could you uh, solve some of those uh, issues. And then prioritize them. You know, take maybe a couple of weeks. You can't solve 100 things at one time. But look at maybe two and find a solution for them and get those fixed and then scratch them off your list. And then just see yourself getting lighter and lighter as the list gets less and less. And then when you show up with your significant other, you can talk about, you know what, Uh, I took care of a couple of things that were really bugging me this week and it was awesome. So you can show up to them sharing, but you also show up to them fixing some of your own issues. Self-awareness is another um, thing that we think about, that we think about these are psychological tools, but really, if you uh, have a lot of self-awareness about how you are internally and externally, you'd be surprised how romantic that can be for your mate, because you know that means that you look and see how your hair is, or uh, your makeup, Um, you can look and see if you need to go to the barber if you're a guy, or if you need to go to the beauty shop, or you know, do a makeover, um, and that's the external part of you. But the other self-awareness is kind of looking, seeing, um, um, how am I, am I emotionally healthy, uh, or do I whine? You know, that's not, whiners, you know what, let me tell you something, whiners, it's not very romantic when you whine all the time. It's not very romantic when you're always uh, needing, pulling at the other person. Remember, part of being romantic is being able to show up Uh, with your character defects, understanding them. So that if maybe your partner says, you know what, babe, you sometimes you really get on my nerve when you repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Well, instead of having a verbal fight about it, you would be able to say, you know, I know that about myself. I know that I'm a constant nagger. And if you're willing to have self-awareness and accept your own character defects, then it's going to be easy for you to communicate with your significant other like, And you're right. And I'm going to work on that. You know, I get that. I get that I'm a nagger and I really want to work on that. Now, that's just one thing, but it could be, you know, a hundred other things that you might have as your character defect. 
Self-awareness is being able to look at yourself, own your character defects, own their, your positive attributes, and being able to, when your significant other says something about it, not being all touchy about it and wanting to argue and shout down, and I mean, or shout out or having a, a meltdown, an emotional meltdown. It's when you can say, you know what, I got that. I do. I, I am that, and I'm working on that, and I realize that. Um, another thing that's very romantic, and people just forget it entirely, because I think they think, oh, I got to go get flowers and candy, and I have to do all this wonderful stuff, and that is part of being romantic. But another one is really having some great, developing some great uh, communication skills. I kind of mentioned one early, I'll go through it again. It's being able to be an active listener. Now, an active listener is different than just listening and talking back. An active listener, sometimes people don't want you to solve their problems. Your significant other needs a sounding board. So you listen, you listen with your body language, you nod your head or whatever you do, you have eye contact, you're showing that person that what they're saying is important, and you sit there patiently, you don't interrupt them. And you actually acknowledge their words. You don't listen to them to say, what am I going to say back? <laughs> That's not active listening. You don't listen to it to say, you should do this. No. Just say, you know, just listen. Sometimes people just want you to hear them out. And just maybe at the end, just say, you know what? I got that. I understand that. And then if you want to, you can kind of check out, check in with them and say, you know, is there anything I can do with it for you about that or help you or assist you? And they may just say, no, I just want somebody to listen because that's what listening is all about, and we forget that. We think listening is giving people advice. We listen and say, oh, no, no, you need to do this and that. No, 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 no. Just be a good listener. You'll be surprised how romantic that is because being a good listener is actually a very deep part of intimacy. The next thing is being able to share, talk when it's your turn, after you listen. I mean, talk about what, not what the other person is saying or giving advice, but just talking and sharing the things that are going on with you. That is extremely intimate when, I'm not talking about nag or whine or the things that happen to you, but just talking to somebody about the things that you're doing, the things that you're thinking of, your dreams, your goals. Um, that's really, really romantic. And remember, uh, another thing, and we'll sort of end this portion uh, of um, the communication, it's not the only thing. I mean, we can talk some more about this later on in another show, but remember that there's verbal communication and there's nonverbal communication. So sometimes your significant other may show up to you communicating to you nonverbally. Instead of you saying, oh, yeah, you look like you're pissed off, or oh, yeah, you look like you're angry, it looks like you had a bad day. Well, I think you put people on a defense when you just automatically assume what you're seeing in their body. Maybe a good tool to use would be to check it out with them. Babe, uh, it looks like you had a bad day. I'm just sort of checking it out with you. What Did something happen? And he or she may say no. Don't badger them. I know something must have happened, you say. No. Just say, okay, well, you know, whatever it is you want to talk about later on, I'm here. I got a good ear if you want to talk about it. Give the person some transition time to process, to self-assess, and to use those tools that we talked about earlier that even you need to be using. Because remember, people don't want you to solve their problems. They just want you to get them. And getting them is just acknowledging the fact that they're in that mood, leaving them alone, and let them come back to you. 
Um, well, again, some of the nonverbal as we wind down tools are remember eye contact. That's important. Your facial expression. Somebody's sharing with you. You have your face all contorted. You're giving them a signal that of something. So try to show up with, you know, an open expression of, I'm just here for you and listening. Um, body language, how you hold your body and you put your hands on your hips and glaring at somebody, that's not very friendly. So you would want to make sure that your body is positioned in a kind of accepting, friendly manner. And, the, and this is so important. This next one is like outrageously important. I mean, nobody gets voice tone. I mean, people are shouting. The people, you're shouting at me. I'm not shouting. And you're talking, screaming at the height of your, your voice tone. Remember, you need to take responsibility for how your voice sounds. Um, check it out sometimes. Check it out when you're angry how you sound. Because if you do, sometimes you'll catch yourself and you'll actually really laugh when somebody says you're screaming at me and you can actually say back, you know what, I was screaming. That kind of takes the energy out of a, a potential argument. But it also adds into intimacy. Because if someone's talking to you and sharing about something that's important, um, if they're already escalated, a good way to de-escalate them is just by talking in a very soft, monotone, friendly kind of manner. Um, I'm not saying you always have to show up like that. I mean, if you're angry, you need to show up angry. But you need to tell people, I'm angry. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at something that you did. This is how I sound when I'm angry. And so take responsibility for your own tones of voice. And also when you're being romantic, I think you need to use a romantic voice. And just go in the mirror sometimes and practice. This is how I sound when I'm being romantic. This is how I sound when I'm being angry. You know, this is how I sound when I'm, when I'm really interested in what's going on with uh, my significant other's day. Check out your posture. It's very important. And that's your body language. When you fold your arms, you know, that's not sending a very friendly open signal uh, how you position yourself. Look at some of those gestures and, um, you know, come up with some ways to let your partner know that you're there for them where it's not um, being aggressive or assertive, but that you're being compatible and compassionate. And that will add a whole lot of romance into your life. Well, I guess we'll sort of end that, um, that portion of it and um, we'll kind of move on. Uh, but again, I appreciate you listening. Um, and um, don't forget to keep the emails coming to uh, drj at themike44.com. And I'm always willing to uh, either take a question or a comment um, and uh, talk about it on air. Um, and again, thank you for letting me be your relationship expert on the internet radio um another uh it wasn't really a question but someone made a comment about um uh, dear dr j how do you kind of use um i use humor and i'm very funny i'm sort of like a comedian and is that something that can be positive in building a relationship or being intimate and i think that that's great because i'm telling you if you can laugh at yourself or laugh at your spouse um you can't have two emotion, emotions happening at the same time. I mean, you can't be angry at somebody and, and laughing at the same time. 
So laugh is a very good therapy. They say people who laugh and smile several times a day really add years onto their life. Uh, And I'm not talking about phony laughter. I'm talking about really genuine inside your body laughter. When you can actually see things that that may be uh, serious, but you can see them as, you know what? It's humorous. I mean, particularly yourself. You know, sometimes we get take ourselves way too serious. So in answer to your question, yes, humor and playfulness is a very major part of relationship building and intimacy. Learn how to handle your crises and your, uh, your hardships and your challenges with, you know, c- coming up with a plan and looking at the crisis for sure but also being able to kind of laugh about some of the things that, 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 that come to you. Um, and then go to the solution area. Um, you, you have a choice to stay angry at something or stay stressed at something, but you also have a choice to choose happiness, peace, and playfulness and uh, humor by using humor. And humor can actually, I'm telling you, when I have a bad day, this is just sort of an invitation for everyone. I know I'm sort of changing it, but when I'm having a really bad day, there's this movie and it's called Meet the Parents and it is hilarious. But I have a couple of movies like that that are hysterical or The Johnson Vacation. Um, um, and I, when, you know, when, I, when I'm in a funky mood where I just feel like, oh, the world's overwhelming and I'm feeling down and angry and whatever, I just pop that movie in and I laugh and it's like an hour and a half and I laugh therapy for an hour and a half. So find something that makes you laugh, whether it's a funny book or a funny television show or a funny movie um, and have some laugh therapy so that you can kind of get rid of some of that stress. And you should do it with your partner, you know, like when you guys um, are angry at each other. Uh, give each some give it some time to have a time give each other some time to have a time out and then just say honey let's watch something funny so we can just laugh for a minute because we were way too serious we got way too serious we got way too serious about that situation and then come back and revisit it and talk you also should have um, the, the ability to laugh about conflict in your relationship um, once you've had a serious uh, interaction uh, remember, if you can come back and say, hey, hey, let's talk about that again and sort of laugh about it and have kind of a, a friendly smile on your face, you give people the invitation to come back to the table and share. Um, willing to stand with your mate. That is real, real important in being romantic. Um, many times your mate will share things with you and you know, you really need to be able to stand in their shoes and say, you know what, I got that. I really understand that. Instead of always judging what they're saying or, or, or worried about what you're going to say next, just try to see if you can show up by saying, you know, I really got how you were feeling because I put myself in that situation and I got it. Another uh, great way to to build romance uh, in, in using humor Humor is to be able to get to forgiveness and then bring in the humor or the laughter. Um, Because, you know, you really have to choose your arguments. Um, So you're right. uh, Being romantic can be funny. Actually tickling each other is really, really romantic. If the person is ticklish, you know, you got to find out what their funny bone spots are, first of all. And, uh, And that 
touch and tickling can uh, be very sensuous and sexual. Okay, I hope I answered that. And, you know, you can hit me back uh, uh, at Dr. J for you at themike44.com if you um, have some more questions. Or actually, it was a comment. So if you want some more comments on that, please let me know. I got another comment or question that said, uh, Dr. J, can you have a gratifying relationship with someone um, and with uh, prior to having sexual intercourse? And my response to that is absolutely. And I think if you go back to our first uh, segment that's in the archives, and it's a relationship part one, uh, the first um, the first relationship uh, show, we talk a lot about um, uh, 10 things to do to build a, 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 a relationship without having sex, basically. So if you go back to the archives uh, at themike44.com, I think I answered that question, but I'll just kind of glaze over a little bit um, until you go back to it. If you're listening uh, to this, you can go back to the archives and pick up that uh, relationship issue, uh, number one. But basically what I said is um, that there are many, many, many things that you can do other than having sex uh, because relationships need to evolve to a, particularly um, among consenting adults and hopefully committed monogamous adults, that... um, you know, there's kissing, there's touching, there's taking walks, there's all this romantic things that you do, uh, and penetration is very low on the totem pole. I'm not saying that it's not important in sex. It is just a very small part of sex. So I, I would invite you to go back and listen to that. And uh, I think next month I'm going to be talking about sexuality um, in a more in-depth manner. Um, I would say that um, the, some of the things you can do without having sex, uh, again, is just, you know, being romantic, uh, being able to listen, like I said earlier, to your significant other, um, being able to, like, maybe have love notes for each other. That's really romantic, like put them in their lunch bag or lunch box or leaving it different places, either in their, their home or apartment condo or yours. Um prepare a special dinner, you know, and, and have the person over. And that's really romantic. And it's very sensuous. Um, touching, touching is very sensuous, you know, giving massages and holding hands and easing the other person's load is real romantic. It's just like, you know, I know that you have a thousand things to do on your to-do list today. Let me do two of them for you. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's totally romantic. Kissing and hugging is very, very romantic, and it does not have to be about penetration. Uh, but, you know, I know that, you know, sex is very important in a relationship, um, uh, but sex is not, uh, it's not all about penetration solely. I mean, that is just a really small part of it. And there are people that actually um, have non-penetration sexual relationships based on some uh, medical issues and are uh, people who are uh, were in accidents that are paralyzed, a quadriplegic, uh, you know, they're, they're, there's just a whole topic that we'll, we'll, we'll cover next month on sexuality and having sex and sexual intimacy. Uh, I really like your question. I'm not trying to avoid it. I just, um, I think it deserves a really in-depth um, 
maybe a whole uh, hour show. And I, I plan on visiting that maybe next month because uh, it seems that uh, sexual questions come up all the time. And uh, you'd be surprised of the, the couples that are having sexual dysfunction for whatever reasons. It doesn't have to be medical, but it could be psychological, emotional, or it could be because they just don't understand about that 80%, if not 90% of sex is centered around non-penetration, that it's about communication. It's about all the things that we do in the course of a day, a week, a month, a year, for and for and to each other and how we show up to each other. Uh, uh, and that it's not about just kissing someone, taking them to bed, and, and having penetration. So with that, I hope I sort of uh, guided you back to the first um, relationship uh, archived um, show, and that, uh, and I invite you to show up maybe in a couple more weeks where we'll be looking at that in detail. Hasta la vista until we meet again. And always remember to love simply, love generously, love unconditionally, care deeply, speak kindly, and leave the rest in.